Ritu Gupta is a rebel, a dreamer, and a doer. Ritu has lived the American dream, literally. She grew up in a tiny town in northern India, and against all odds, she struggled her way to an education and a job at a software company. Later, an offer from AT&T Wireless led her to immigrating to the United States in the 1990s. Arriving with two suitcases and $2,000 in hand, she marched boldly into the land of opportunity, starting as a principal software engineer and climbing the ladder at Honeywell. This incredible lady has authored several user interface patents in aerospace cockpit technology, if the other stuff wasn't enough. She also went on to get her MBA from the University of Washington, and shortly after graduating as the valedictorian of her class, she founded and is now the CEO of Circled In, which is a LinkedIn of sorts for high school students. I left this conversation buzzing because of the energy that this woman gives off. You can't help but be inspired by her tenacity to achieve her life's dreams. Let's jump into this very cool conversation. saw the video on GeekWire and I heard some of your story of being an immigrant and where you came from and the things that matter to me on this podcast and to the listeners that I have is around wealth creators. And so people that have really built what we were talking about earlier, building things kind of from nothing to something, but it's more than just building money. It's building wealth, broadly speaking, building a life. And so in a lot of ways, when I was hearing your story, I was intrigued with the life building journey you went on, not just the wealth creation journey. So anyways, I'd love to start there and welcome Ritu to the podcast, the Well Confident Podcast, but I'd love to just hear a little bit about your story of how you got to where you are today and and whatever part of that story you want to share with us. Okay. So first of all, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Hopefully, you know, whatever I share resonates with few people at least. My story actually starts way back in India. I was born and raised in India. And, uh, you know, some stories just cannot be told in one podcast. Mm-hmm. There are so many aspects to that story. I grew up in a household of all girls in India in late 70s, early 80s. Growing up in that environment was not easy, where people walk up to you all the time and say, why couldn't you be a boy? Mm -hmm. Or they feel pity for your parents. Oh, poor you, you don't have a son. So I tried to be the son my dad never had. It was not easy growing up. And... It irritated the heck out of me. It made a rebel out of me. It's that simple. Hmm. Being a girl, growing up in India in that environment, and very inefficient processes and system, I knew I can do a lot more, but I felt very constrained, partially because of my gender, partially because there were just no facilities. And when I tell people when I was growing up, there was no library. Imagine having no access to a book when you're growing up. Mm. So, so things were very different. So what did you do? Only access we had were our textbooks. That's it. And then there was this one shop who used to rent for 25 pesos a small comic book, Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was a big fan of Spider-Man. And I used to think, one day I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> 
which was amazing. Imagination was there, resources were not. Started from there and I thought, I'm going to grow up in a better world. I'm going to make the better world for everybody else, not just for me. How old were you when you came to this decision? Pretty early. I was, I will say, probably middle school. By the way, I did go to engineering college before my 16th birthday. So I accelerated in my studies mm -hmm. a little bit. So I will say eight or nine. So at eight or nine, you come to this decision. My life's going to be different than this yep. story. Yeah. You made a conscious choice. I did. I did not want that life. I just did not. I used to think at that age, I remember very clearly, I don't want to be that ant on the floor or on the ground that people just walk over and it's dead. That short lifespan and nobody knows how many ants die every day. I didn't want to be that ant. I wanted to be Mahatma Gandhi and Nelson Mandela who are written in history books. My goal from very early on was I want to be in a history book. I want to leave a legacy no matter where I am. I didn't even think U.S. I didn't even know anything about geography outside my little town. But I knew that was not going to be my life. Well, that's a pretty big dream for somebody yeah. who's eight or nine years old. Where did that come from? See, the thing about early age is there are no constraints to your imagination. Mm -hmm. You don't know enough to be scared. Mm -hmm. You don't know enough to say, oh, that's not possible. That's not possible. Yeah. You don't think that. You still think you can touch the moon because you don't know enough. That was the benefit. It's like ignorance was a bliss at that time. So that's where I started. This is early on. And my mom started a school when I was eight years old. So I saw her going through this entrepreneurial journey very early on. From there, I decided that education is going to be the key to a better life. So I worked hard and really hard and really hard, like, no tuition, no tutoring, no extra support, all by myself. Um, I got into an engineering college, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I stepped my foot outside that little town, and I was scared like hell. I still remember that feeling. My dad dropped me off at the dorm room. Mm -hmm. It was that sinking feeling in my stomach. I had never been away from family. I had never been away from that house. And here I am in a totally foreign territory. It was next town, not too far, mm -hmm. but all these strangers around me. And uh, that's where I started. So my dad dropped me off and said, okay, you are all set. Here's your bedding. Here's your suitcase. And that's it. So he never said anything is possible for you, Ritu. You had to come to that decision yourself. You had to decide somewhere anything is possible for me in my brain at childhood, relatively young brain at that point, I anything's possible for me in the world, and I'm just going to believe that. Right. No one told you that, though. No. No. In fact, my exposure was so limited, and I say it's all about exposure, which is mm -hmm. what we are trying to change now mm -hmm. for kids. It's all about exposure. My exposure was so small, so small, I didn't even know there are big colleges called IIT which were the top-ranked colleges at that time. Mm -hmm. I didn't even apply. I didn't even know. If I had applied, I would have totally gotten into those. Looking back, it's like, dang it, mm -hmm. I didn't even know. Right. I didn't even know what I did not know. Exposure was so limited. There was no internet. There was no television. I mean, there was barely any television. Mm -hmm. So I was limited by, you can see there's no library. There's nobody who had gone outside that town and come back to tell the tales. Nothing. 
It was literally growing up in a cocoon. So you're a real pioneer, though, to take this step out of this town. You call it being a rebel, but some of that's rebellion against cultural norms. But some of it is I'm just going to step out of this town and I'm going to go make a life for myself. I'm going to pioneer into a a land I have no idea what I'm getting into. Yeah, pioneer was not in my dictionary at that time. Where did rebel come from? Oh, that was, I think, mainly driven, one, by gender, mostly, and second is, uh, I just always felt that I was not a fit there. Yeah, inefficiencies of system Mm -hmm. just irritated the heck out of me. I am more of a boom, 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 do the work, dream, and do. That's all I do. You think of an idea, you go execute, and you finish it, and you'll be done. Dream and do. Yeah. Dreamers alone can't do anything. Doers alone can't do anything. So you have to have capability to dream and then do. Mm. One without other is useless in my mind. So whereas like if you are paying an electricity bill and you're standing in line for two hours to pay an electricity bill, that used to just like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I could be doing so much more with those two hours. So inefficiencies of the system were really annoying to me. Electricity used to go out for hours and hours and hours. Like we used to have electricity cuts for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Summer, there was absolutely no AC. There's no central heating. Everything is like wide open. And you are living in 120 degree Fahrenheit. And you are living in, you know, 30 degree. You just bundle up and all of that. So... That was just a life I like, I don't want that. How did all of that background lead you and in, in this passion to have a different life, this rebellion against cultural norms and to have something more? As much as I'm assuming you don't want to experience that again, but it made you who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a two-edged sword. But how has that shaped who you've become and what you're doing now? It's all that. It's the foundation. It's the recipe of the cake like you start with egg and butter and wheat flour if those ingredients remain the same the cake will be you know whatever the ingredients you put in even today i hate standing in lines <laughs> i despise whether it's disneyland whether it's uh, you know shopping in a shopping center in a checkout line on black friday i despise that and everybody who knows me knows that so this is just a very small thing, but mm-hmm. I think it goes way back to mm-hmm. when we had to stand in line to pay electricity bill for two hours. Mm-hmm. Even though I never did that on a regular basis, I just did that a couple of times maybe. So that is what made me who I am today. I am a rebel because I question everything. When I was growing up, there was this assumption that my dad is unprotected because he doesn't have a son to stand mm-hmm. behind him. And one incident I clearly remember our next door neighbor, there was a property dispute or something just on the boundary line. All those land disputes were Mm -hmm. very common in India. Our next door neighbor came with two of his sons and started yelling at my dad. I was maybe 11, 12, I don't even remember. I stood beside my dad and I yelled back at those big adult guys and I said, you dare touch my dad or you dare touch me, I'm going to kill you. I still remember that very vividly. So there was that. Anybody who, like, might is right, I don't take that. I do not accept that even today. Might is not always right. So did you take then this rebel, I'm a woman, I want a better life. What has all of that done for you in your current 
role in tell us a little bit about your company, but how did that that genesis of all of that stuff that's you, that kind of fighting back, reveling against society, how has that turned you into being a CEO of a company and what makes an immigrant so good in this wealth creation role? Because that's just a fascinating transition, I think. Yeah, it is. So after my engineering, actually, I came to U.S. because I started my career in software development mm -hmm. as an engineer. I was hired by AT&T Wireless right from India. This is like back in 99. Mm -hmm. Concept of visa and immigration was so new to everybody. They interviewed me. I think it was a Friday. And they said, can you join on Monday? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I have to get my visa. <laughs> they didn't know the concept of visa, which was funny. So I spent good 10, 12 years in corporate America, different mm -hmm. jobs. And fortunately, I had lots of what I call once in lifetime opportunities. My first job at AT&T was designing a brand new product, which was going to replace copper wires in the ground for home telephony. Then I was hired by AT&T to design communication protocol between pilot and controller. And I had this immense opportunity to be involved with next-gen ATM for U.S., as well as single European Sky for Europe. Amazing opportunities. And I think a big part of me is this being impatient and mm -hmm. being not content with what I have, mm -hmm. but always aspiring for more mm -hmm. my whole life. Even though I was doing pretty well, after 12, 13 years in corporate jobs, I was like, I need to do something different. And one thing I felt I was lacking was being closer to customers. In engineering role, you don't talk to customers mm -hmm. very much. And I'm thinking we are building all these products. Mm -hmm. We just throw it out the window and say, oh, somebody come and we'll buy. Mm -hmm. That was the mindset because I had no visibility of strategy. I went and did my MBA from UW. And that's another sort of example of driving myself. I had a year and a half old daughter at that time. And a full-time job at Honeywell, where I was leading engineering teams in like five different countries. And I put a goal for myself that I want to graduate with 4.0 GPA. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And crazy it was, lady. Crazy lady. I am those crazy, one of those crazy ladies. It was my personal goal. Nobody cared. Once you have that much experience, MBA is a check mark. Mm -hmm. But for me, no. One, I wanted to experience the educational system in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And two, I wanted to prove to myself that I cannot be just a high achiever in academics in India, but also in the U.S., like at a bigger stage, and you if did you will. It. And you did that. And I did that. I graduated as valedictorian with 3.98 GPA, not four. <laughs> but valedictorian. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And then I moved into business side. Marketing, being closer mm -hmm. to customers, working on strategy and stuff like that. Did that for another four or five years. And again, that something in me, I need to do more. I need to do more. How do I leave my name in a history book? Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen if I'm working for somebody else. Mm -hmm. In parallel, what was happening is personal life is going on. And I have two girls now. And during that process, I learned that how much education field is behind. K through 12 is behind in U.S., and is not served by technology. I have my own hypothesis for that. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, I decided this is what I'm going to do. So four years ago, I left my high-flying exec job and I started Circle J. Talk about a reset. And Circle Den is the company you started, founded it, just you. Just me, yes. So I came up with the idea of Circle Den in January 2014. Tell us about it. What is it? So 
what circle din is it's a college recruitment platform matching high school students with best fit candidates mm-hmm. and creating win win for both sides if you look at the metrics on the college side today they spend anywhere from 10 to 100 billion dollar on their marketing funnel only get 1% return and even after that only 59% students are retained in the college only 60% graduate in 6 years mm-hmm. unemployment 20% So it's a losing proposition for everybody not only for colleges think about students and what i found is that part of the reason is there's no matching platform the foundation is weak colleges just reach out to random high school students based on the email addresses they acquire from existing sources and they just try to recruit them whoever comes comes mm-hmm. it's a lead generation problem and it's a matching problem think of it as a bad marriage on mm-hmm. a bad footing mm-hmm. everything after that it's a dominoes effect mm-hmm. with circled in it's a portfolio platform like you and i have linkedin mm-hmm. students maintain their portfolio in seven different categories that we came up with after talking to 60 to 80 universities mm-hmm. what do you look for academics is just one of seven sports music volunteering summer activities so they compile their whole story there mm-hmm. in the most authentic way and the, the student, best does. Student, student does okay and then colleges will come using the portal they will find say for example show me students living in washington state who mm-hmm. have gpa 2.8 to 3.2 are interested in stem mm-hmm. boom we will make the match so this is only step 1 step 2 is we're using artificial intelligence we will say probability of johnny smith graduating from uw is 85% so now uw knows that they should pursue johnny smith as a lead it's that simple if we do this matching imagine johnny smith stays in the college graduates from college finds a job pays off the student debt becomes a happy healthy member of society because the only other way that uw knows about the student is sat scores application correct. doesn't have this this other source of well-rounded information to evaluate the selection exactly and not only that now think about it going back to my roots people who don't take sat act never come on colleges radars and who don't take sat act poor families first generation immigrant families basically at risk youth got it at risk youth are not on the radar of colleges today they have equity and diversity goals they are looking for these students but have no place to go and these students like you maybe back in india don't even know yes. how to get into that exactly. system exactly exactly so what are we doing we are bringing this at risk youth on our platform and saying Hey Johnny let's have a conversation did you know there is this college did you know there's this financial aid did you know blah 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 bringing that reach out of little town and telling them there is an iit there is another town there are 20 other colleges in your 50 mile radius is this something you're doing also with international students like yourself eventually we will that's the plan yeah that's the plan i mean technology knows no geographical boundaries mm-hmm. linkedin is used all over the planet that's what circle din will be so does this keep you content well <laughs> we have long ways to go so for now we are busy we are very busy and i'm content because we are still growing hmm. of course i'm not content i'm never content i'm not content with where we are today hmm. even though in just last 6 months we had 1033% growth which is amazing and that's in adoption User of the base. platform yes okay so we had very few thousand students when we started the year this year 
in January, we launched 2.0. We hired a team. We started promoting and marketing. And with very small money spent, we have grown 1,033%. We have five universities who have signed contracts to be our pilot. In fact, a couple of days ago, we got our first revenue from the university on 2.0. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So back to the book. Is it a textbook or you want to be remembered in some kind of a book? Isn't that what you said? I can't remember <laughs> how you said it. I want to win history books. You want to be in a history book. So what do you want the history book to say about you? Very good question. If Ritu can do it, so can anyone else. That's what you wanted to say? Yeah. So the story is anybody should be able to pursue anything they want in life. Look at me. 45 years ago. A girl was born in a teeny tiny town in India. Today you are talking to me on this podcast. That girl, you ask that girl, do you see yourself sitting in Bellevue somewhere doing a podcast? Or running a company. Or running a company. She's going to say, you're crazy. You're from Mars, another mm -hmm. planet that I'm not aware of. There is a lot of power to willpower. What do you think people who don't have the gumption you have or the courage that you have that feel the same things you felt underprivileged scared no opportunities and they don't have to be international you know this in the u.s there are plenty in u.s as well if they read that statement though in the book that said if ritu can do it i can do it what do i do then what if i don't have that courage that you had because you had kind of an unusual rebellion you know just the life circumstances you had gave you the power to go do it and the courage to go do it. But not everybody has that. So how would you encourage me to go do that and believe you that anything's possible? Who tells you you don't have it? You are telling yourself you don't have it. Courage doesn't mean you're not scared. I'm still scared the heck out of me every day. I was scared for this investor meeting I just had the hour before. I was scared yesterday with a conversation I had with another investor. Courage does not mean... You think you are Superman and you can do anything you want without any trouble you have, because you have superpowers. No, courage is just having that willpower that and thinking that you can do it. Courage is feeling scared and still moving forward. This is a quote I just actually read recently. And I thought, oh, that makes sense because if you are scared, doesn't mean you are not courageous. If you are courageous, you are scared and you are still moving forward. That's what courage is. When it comes to entrepreneurship and running a company, what complications have you run into in being an immigrant woman? That's How many hours question. do we have? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I think there are multiple. The biggest one I will say is on the fundraising. And you probably have heard the stats that just irrespective of being an immigrant, women-founded companies get less than 2% VC funding. Why? Because people who are writing the check are all male and mostly white male. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We all do pattern matching. Somebody walks in the room, your brain immediately within 7 to 11 seconds matches them with a the personality that you know of. Investors invest in people who look like them or their friends or their co-workers or their ex-bosses, which is majority white, white men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of money, most of the money, 98% money goes to male founded companies, which means for women like me, it becomes extremely difficult. If you can't raise money, 
you can't grow as fast as you could. Imagine mm-hmm. all the potential, and that's mm-hmm. where my rebel comes into discussion again here. We're going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> and it irritates the heck out of me. Yeah. Why won't you invest in me? In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, GeekWire did a video. We talked exactly like that. I said, I have master's in engineering. I did bachelor's and master's. I have an MBA valedictorian. I have 20 years of corporate experience from software to product marketing and all of that in between. I ran $500 million product line in my last role. I had teams all over the globe. You don't think I can run a freaking company? So here's my answer to those investors and naysayers. Success is the biggest revenge. (laughs) Well, you are a rebel with a cause. You are a rebel with a cause. I am. So is that changing at all? With you pushing as hard as you're pushing on that, talking to the people you're talking to as impassionately as you're just sharing that with me now, are you seeing any movement in that at all? I wish I could say yes. There's a lot of lip service that's happening, especially after Me Too campaign. There's a lot of awareness. Mm -hmm. In last year and a half, we as a democracy, I'm a citizen of this country now, so we as a democracy have shaken up and we are awake now. So that's the silver lining in the black cloud, if Mm -hmm. you will. There's a lot of talk around it. There's a lot of discussions, what we should be doing. We are not doing that today. But I think we are moving in the right direction. Just the fact, 12-step process in our recovery. First step, admitting we have a problem. Mm -hmm. We are talking about the problem. So it's a step in the right direction. Has it changed the needle or numbers? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I mean, numbers are still the same. Look Mm -hmm. at how many CEOs we have in top Fortune 50 companies. Numbers haven't changed. Mm -hmm. It's minority. But we are having the right conversations. Now think about it. If you are an investor, right, not only that you are putting $100,000 in a company, but if you are buying stocks of Microsoft or Amazon or Nordstrom or Starbucks, whatever. If I were to tell you that women, when women are involved in the leadership of a company, in a boardroom, you get 64% better financial results. Don't do it for women. Do it for yourself. You, as shareholder of Microsoft, you should go and talk to Microsoft. How many women do you have in your boardroom? Because I want 64% more revenue and more returns for my investment every time I buy a share. Think about it. Women make 50.6% population of the planet. Can you really leave half the population behind and move forward? Absolutely not. You need to bring them along. How many decisions for purchase are made in a household by a woman? 85. You are building a product. You are a company. You better have women on the table with you designing your products. Because I feel like that awareness is very different than it was several years ago, or at least the willingness to say we're aware of the problem. But I hear you also saying I don't see much movement right now. We are I, still I, in awareness phase. We're still in awareness yep, phase. Yep, We have There's not gone to step two. A lot of talk. A lot, lot of, of talk. Lot, the talk's good. It's better than zero. Yes. <laughs> we're talking about it. We, yeah. We're talking. Even you and I are talking about it. So that's yeah. good. But you're saying it's still a challenge as a woman to run a company oh, in the totally, world today. Totally. Totally. I mean, for me, it's triple whammy. One, I'm a woman. Two, I'm a woman in tech. I'm not running a nail salon on side of the row. I'm running a tech company that could compete with LinkedIn tomorrow. Three, I'm woman of color, if you will. And then on top, even more, if you want to add, I did not grow up in the same culture that you did. When I go in events and parties, we don't have same 
conversations about what band did you listen to when you were growing up or how many alcoholic drinks you drank when you were in college for me answer is none did i smoke never did i drink never so what is common between you and i jeez barely anything except today's newspaper but the business could be the business is a platform of common language yes it is but when you are in a social gathering people don't go to business conversations they go to personal they go to personal what happens then is that create a networking dilemma for you does that create a social dilemma for you where some business happens socially yeah a lot of business happens socially so let's just say that i have to work multifold harder to get to the business so if you were a guy having a conversation and sharing about a band that you both grew mm-hmm. up listening to boom it's an instant connection. connection yeah yeah and then i may even write a check to you for your company because we have this instant connection for me it may take 5 10 conversations if we ever get to the 10th conversation for you to see what i can bring to the table so that it's not an emotional or personal connection it's mm-hmm. more business it's like she's a kick ass she can make this happen and she can make me rich that does not happen in first conversation it takes multiple conversations if you stick with that so i have to work you can imagine 10x harder to get to that check that somebody else could get in first meeting hmm. what advice would you give to an aspiring wealth creator today who's maybe earlier in their career and they're thinking about pursuing their entrepreneurial dream what would you tell him or her today define your goal what is wealth to you how did you define that so when i'm 65 you will see my picture on cover of fortune magazine as ceo of the year that's my goal and i'm working you don't have that. little goals you want to be in <laughs> textbooks you want to be on i mean these are big huge hurricane goals yeah it's called bhag big hairy audacious goals and they say shoot for moon you'll get a star so the bottom line is define what do you want out of life define your goal define what wealth means to you mm-hmm. when so, i okay. started circles in i had 234 linkedin connections today i'm past 2600 and these are not just random people sending mm-hmm. me connection request So how do you define wealth then is it all based on this Forbes Fortune kind of CEO of the year or is there a bigger definition of wealth for you It's impact to the world dent in the universe One wealth I'll say as uh, circled in there was this one kid I came across last year he was 11th grader and I was just visiting their school because they were using circled in and uh, Miss Nancy pulled this guy in he said hey Adam come here tell me sweet to your story and i'm like okay what's going on and so adam said the weekend before that he was very scattered he didn't know what he wanted to do and he had just broken up with her his girlfriend i'm like you need bigger issues than that <laughs> nonetheless and he said i didn't know what i wanted to do so miss nancy told me to go put the profile together on circles in miss nancy is the advisor there and he said he came back 3 days later and he told miss nancy exact words When you gave me that website I thought it's going to be full of links and buttons and I was dreading it. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see how easy to use it is and it's almost fun actually. And within 4 weeks of putting his profile together he got an internship. He said I got so much confidence I didn't know I had done so much. So the website does more than just match to schools it gets you internships as well. No, it 
it's the act of reflection. So mm. kids put their portfolio together. Mm -hmm. They can see holistically all they have done, whether it's sports, volunteering, mm. summer activities, and they can see their, life their whole life in front of yeah. them. It's a holistic portfolio. Then they can send it for any application. So this kid sent that circled in profile for an internship. He got selected for that internship. Imagine changing one life. One life, that's wealth. How many people can claim that they actually changed a life? And you want to change a lot of those. But what you're suggesting, I hear you saying to that younger wealth creator is have a goal that's way bigger than you think is possible. Yes. Way yeah. bigger. I mean, your goals are huge. You know, those are fabulously huge goals. And you're yeah. saying, even if I don't get there, I might get a star, as you said. I might not get Well, to I will get there too. And I'll get there too. <laughs> well, I, I believe you're going to get there just based on this conversation. So how do you balance getting to the moon mm -hmm. and being financially well-to-do and raising kids and all the things that come with today's world living in the Northwest? If somebody's listening to this, how do you make all that work? First of all, throw balance out of the window. Okay. The word balance doesn't mean anything. What I do, I have fire in my belly, period. Mm -hmm. And that fire in my belly is for I don't see it. I don't see the fire. <laughs> no, I'm, jo I'm joking. I see the fire. Trust me. I see the fire. Everybody listening, I see the fire. <laughs> yeah. So you have to have that fire in, in your belly. And okay. nobody is going to put that in you. Right. It has to come from inside. Okay. And again, I don't know how I got that, but I do have that. And nobody told me I do or nobody told me you don't. Right. I never let anybody tell me what I can or cannot do. And that is the message I give to everybody. Don't let anyone tell you what you can or cannot do. You are the only one who decide what you want to do. So I spend most of my day on Circle Day. Now, you may think, and of course, I do know that I don't spend as much time with my family as I should. It has both pluses and minuses. Pluses in the sense that my kids are so independent and it's amazing. They are growing into these individuals who, if I were there for them all the time, they won't be that independent. Number two, I pull them into my work. Because I'm an entrepreneur, it's all blended for me. Mm -hmm. There is no work, life, Pacific Northwest, financial. It's, it's all integrated. It's all integrated. So I pull my kids into my work all the time. In fact, one time I was uh, speaking at an event and I told them, how many 10 years old? can claim that they have reviewed a press release for a company. My daughter did. So my 12-year-old, my daughter, they have been reviewing our social media posts. My younger daughter got so good at testing the software. Engineers are in awe when she, within 30 seconds, she finds five bucks and sends it to them. And they're like, how does she do that? So it makes them more independent. So it's very blended. I, I'm not hard on myself saying, oh my God, where's my balance? Where's my balance? There's not like, oh, it's 10 hour work and five hour family time. None of that. It's How do all... you decide then? How, is it just an ebb and flow that you just gut sense? Or how do you decide where you're going to put all that energy in whatever way you're going to do it? Most of my energy, being an entrepreneur, it goes in the company. Starts there. It starts there. Everything else has to blend in. So... When you think about the where you came from, you you had your existence was scarcity. It was an experience of scarcity. So how have you been able to either let that go a little bit and view the world from more of an abundant perspective 
How has that journey been for you? Do you still look at the world, whether it be money or other things, through a scarcity lens? Funny thing is, fiscally, I still see through a scarcity lens. I still do. We talk in my family with my kids, need versus want. Do you need it or do you want it? Mm -hmm. When we both were working, my husband and I, in two corporate jobs, it was pretty good. It was easy. But for the last four years, it was very easy for me to go back to that fiscally constrained Mm -hmm. level because I grew up in that phase. And now, no big deal. We are going back to that. What are you teaching your daughters about money? Need versus want. Okay. That's a conversation we always have. Mm-hmm. Never pay the regular price. Regular price. Never pay regular price. Okay. America is always on sale. That's what they say. I wouldn't want to haggle with you. I just <laughs> wouldn't. I think you'd win. I just think you would win. <laughs> I, I would just give up. So part of your dream is financial. Yeah. If it does become the financial dream that you hope it does, do you think you'll change? That's a very good question because I asked that myself. What do you think? I think to some extent, people are who they are. We don't change. Our DNA doesn't change. Mm -hmm. So I will say one thing. We are in the noble business of making money. Mm -hmm. We will make money with Circle Dream. And if everything goes good, we could be the next unicorn that Mm -hmm. Seattle sees in five, six years. Uh, One thing is for sure, I will probably never retire. I will always work, but I may choose what I want to do, mm-hmm. even though even today I am choosing what I want to do, but I could do more on the philanthropy side once I have a lot more funds available. Mm-hmm. Um, I will always be busy and driven. I know that. And fiscally, I think I may loosen up a little bit, but I will never go buy a yacht. Mm. And if our listeners want to find out more about Circled In or what's going on with you and all the cool stuff that you're doing, how can they do that? So we have six social media channels, everything and anything is Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google Plus, Pinterest, Mm -hmm. and of course, circledin.com with a K, K C-I-R-K-L-E-D-I-N. And it's not a typo. It is putting kids at the center of the circle which is our mission. Interesting. That's very cool. So they should go there. They can find what's going on. And what are you most excited about with the company right now that you'd want to share with people? Yeah, it's just that last six months have been, again, you reach for moon and you may even go farther than that. You may reach Mars. I think that's what we got in last six months. We grew like crazy. We didn't even expect. And how it's resonating with the kids. Like you go to conferences and kids come back and say, oh, my friends told me about your cool platform that I should come and check it out. Those are the things where it's resonating with kids, with teenagers, which is a big deal in today's day and age where they are bombarded with information and different tools and different Mm -hmm. platforms. So... It is resonating and we have come to this big inflection point where we have established a really strong product market fit. Uh, We are talking to big brands. We are talking to schools. We are talking to colleges and universities. So we are excited about this being a universal platform for all youth admissions. What LinkedIn did to corporate recruiting, CircleDin will do that for youth recruiting. Whether it's college, internship, summer jobs, apprenticeship, anything and everything. This becomes the storytelling platform for all kids. 
What a interesting business idea. I wish you the best of success. This has been an incredibly inspiring conversation for me to talk to somebody with the kind of grit and persistence that you have to fight against the odds and be who you've chosen you want to be. And I just think that's an incredibly inspiring story. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Reach out to me with any questions. Great. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into my conversation with Ritu. She is a testament to one of my favorite statements, anything is possible. She believes it and embodies it, and so can you. Is the return on your life lower than you want? If so, consider raising the bar, pushing yourself to experience life in a richer way. If you want or need more tools about that or support for that journey, Go to my website, which is jcchristiansen.com, and I hope you'll find the help there that you need. Go live fully. Confidant is produced by Jessica Fox and Anna Olivia McLean. Music is by Royal Deluxe.